every single day to meet you in this place and see you face to face. Will you show? I can feel your presence here with me. Suddenly I'm lost within your beauty. Caught up in the wonder of your touch. Here in this moment, I surrender to your Southview, how are we? Awesome. All right, good to have you with us as everybody is coming in and making their way, finding a seat. Glad to have you worshiping with us today. If you're a guest with us, my name is Brad. I am the pastor here at Southview, and it is wonderful to have you worshiping the Lord with us. As we begin our time together, I want to read some scripture to us. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Right, so on one hand, this is a good scripture for us to start with because we have Thanksgiving this week, right? And so everybody's thinking about being thankful. That's, that's, that's wonderful. But I think specifically this verse connects well with what we're about to do right now, coming together corporately as a group and worshiping. Because if you look at it again, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So when he's talking about the gates and the courts, he's talking about the temple. It's a, it's a, a, a verse about worship. As you come to worship God, do it with thankfulness. Being thankful is what drives us to true worship. Thankful for who God is. Thankful for what he's 
done, thankful for the fact that he has sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins, to make us new. Thankfulness drives us to worship. I want to encourage you here in just a moment as we sing. Do so with a heart of thanks. Being thankful. Being thankful for who God is. Being thankful for what he's done in us, through us, for his glory. So I want to ask you to pray with me as we begin our time worshiping together here this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Your word says in Ephesians 5, to be thankful in everything at all times. The good, the bad, the ups, the downs, everything. The only way I can be thankful in bad times is if I'm looking to you and I'm trusting in you. So I pray, God, for myself and for everyone in this room, Lord, we will look past our circumstances, we'll look past our current situations, we'll look past all of those things, and we'll just look to you, Jesus. And we'll be filled with thanks as we come to worship because of who you are. And we're going to set aside all of the things, all the stuff that we've made it, all the stuff that we've made it about, about our life and about church. And we're going to set all of that aside, and we're just going to focus our hearts on you and be thankful for you and worship you glorify you because at the end of the day everything is just about you. So we come today with hearts full of thanks for who you are. We love you Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey everyone let's stand together as we begin worshiping.
week's announcements. Good morning, Southview. We are so thankful that you're here worshiping with us today. Here are your big three announcements for the week. Are you interested in being a part of the worship team? We have several opportunities available for people to serve, including the tech team, band, or vocals. Please plan to come to our informational meeting on December 3rd to learn more about how you can get plugged in. Lunch will be served. Text the word WORSHIP to sign up. Ladies, make plans now to join us for our 13th annual Ladies of Grace Brunch on Saturday, December the 9th at 10 a.m. in the Family Life Center. This is always a wonderful event that you will not want to miss. Tickets are currently on sale outside the sanctuary on the children's wing following each Sunday service. Do you think you have the best chili? Do you like to spread Christmas cheer by singing loud for all to hear or just make a joyful noise? Maybe you just want to come out and fellowship. We invite the entire church to our carols, cookies, and chili cook-off on Saturday, December the 16th from 5 to 8 p.m. This is an amazing opportunity for us to share the love of Jesus during the Christmas season. Text the word carols, C-A-R-O-L-S, to sign up. We encourage everybody to download our Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This will allow you to see all our other announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access the notes for today's sermon. There are also multiple ways for you to give here at Southview. You can either give online through the app or in the giving boxes at the doors as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we are so glad you're here. We would love to connect with you. You can help us accomplish this by texting the word CONNECT to 910-424-1298. This is how we can begin to know who you are, pray for you, and see if there's any specific way that we can minister to you. Thank you all again for worshiping with us today. Let's continue to worship Jesus Christ through song. Amen. Well, you know, as we think about that, worshiping together in song, I want to read one more scripture to us. Psalm 7, 17. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. 
Think about those, that verse just for a moment. Two things I want you to notice. I will give thanks to the Lord due to his righteousness. In other words, God is worthy of our thanks. It's due to him, right? He, because of who he is, because of all that he's done, because of the fact that if you have breath in your lungs, if you have synapses firing in your brain, if you are alive today, your heart is pumping blood that is solely because God deemed it to be so. He is worthy of our thanks. And, and then it says next, I will sing praise to the Lord the Most High. The, one of the ways that you profess that thanks to the Lord is in singing. So I want to encourage you here in just a moment, we're going to sing. And I want to ask you, don't just mouth words or vocalize words because you're on the screen or this is what we do. Everybody's doing it together. I know singing can be weird in public, okay? Right? Let's just be honest for a second. There's no other place you're going to go in your life where you're, everybody's going to stand up and go, hey, let's start singing together, right? You're not going to go to work tomorrow and you're in the, middle of, in the middle of a meeting and your boss walks in and says, all right, guys, before we continue, we're going to sing together. Everyone stand. We're going to sing Sweet Caroline. Everybody, guys in the back, I want to hear the bop, bop, bop. It's not going to happen. There's nowhere else you're going to go where you sing. But you come here and you do that. Why do we do that? Because the Bible says that is one of the ways that we profess our thanks to God. Thanking Him for who He is. Thanking Him for what He's done. Professing the thanks that is due His name and His righteousness. So Jesus, I pray for us right now as we sing, that we would sing not just because it's that time to do that or everyone else around us is doing it or there are words on the screen, but we will sing and proclaim thanks to you because you're worthy of it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Stand with us, guys, as we sing thanks to our Lord.
before the throne of grace. Majesty before my eyes. Let it take my breath
Well, as we transition into our scripture and our time in the word, I think there's a a connection here that I want to highlight real quick for us. Um, So we're going to be studying today um, about what it means to walk and live in a way that's worthy of God's calling on our life. And, and this links up very well with the idea of thankfulness and thanksgiving. I want to read a scripture to you. Um, this isn't where we're going to be for our message, but I just want you to listen to this story of what happened with Jesus in the gospel of Luke chapter 17. Listen to this. <clears throat> On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten lepers were cleansed. Nine of them forgot to thank the one who actually did it. They were so excited about what had happened in their life, they never actually turned to God to thank Him for the healing. Forgetting to be thankful. Forgetting to point back to Christ and thank Him for all that He's done in us, for us. Boy, this is something that we can all agreed that we probably to some degree or another have struggled with. Have you thanked Jesus for what he's done in your life or do you just receive the blessings for God and walk away? Forgetting. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for me before we begin our time in the Word. I want to give you just a second to set your heart and thanks to the Lord because what we're going to focus on here in just a few moments is this idea of remembering who God is and what that means for us. So let's start now by remembering to thank God for who He is and what He's done in your life. Jesus, I ask today that we will be people that remember to look to you and thank you and praise you and call out to you. That we would not, like the scriptures say, turn away and forget so quickly. Jesus, help us to be people who remember you and walk in your ways. We pray this in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, let's find the book of 2 Thessalonians together. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So as you're finding that, again, this idea of remembering and forgetting, I think is significant for us as we walk through this series. Um, so there was a man by the name of Scott Bolzen. Uh, Scott grew up in the Chicago area and was a star athlete, uh, received a football scholarship for the University of Illinois, actually managed to even play a few years in the NFL. After football, Scott got married, they had a couple kids, and uh, he loved to fly. He was a pilot, and so he started his own charter plane business. was doing very well, business was growing, life was good, family was good, I mean, just Scott Bolson was in a great place. Then in 2008, he woke up like he did on any normal day. He got ready, he got in his car, he drove to um, work, walked into his building before he went to his office. He uh, was going to run by the restroom. What he did not know was the janitorial staff had just mopped the bathroom. And so he walks in as soon as he steps on the tile. Feet go out from underneath him. He falls down. He hits the back of his head, completely knocked unconscious. When Bolzen wakes up, he is in the hospital, surrounded by his wife, his kids, and his parents. However, Scott Bolzen has no idea who he is or who they are. It's a completely true story. You can look it up. Scott Bolzen was diagnosed with what they called full retrograde amnesia. Unbelievably rare. It's a story of just, it's a movie thing, right? Like That doesn't actually happen. Tell Scott Bolzen. The way that he describes it is, it's like the first 46 years of his life, someone just hit the delete key and it was all gone. Here's the thing. Scott Bolzen was always Scott Bolzen. He never stopped being him. He never stopped being who he was. But the fact that he forgot who he was completely ruined Everything in his life. When he finally checked out of the hospital, he was to go home. He had no idea how to get to his house. He couldn't remember. Pulled up into his driveway, walked into his house. It was like walking into the house of a stranger. They showed him pictures. He could see himself in the picture, but it was like almost someone photoshopped himself, photoshopped him into that picture. He could see himself. He knew that was him, but he had zero memory attached to that picture. Everything was gone. This, as you can imagine, was extraordinarily difficult for he and his family. It brought profound stress on the marriage, on his kids. His son would eventually go through a a season of significant drug and alcohol abuse, and uh, he would point back to his dad's medical issue as a driving factor for that because How do you live in a world where your dad doesn't remember you? Scott never stopped being Scott. But the fact that he forgot who he was completely train wrecked his entire life. The reason I share that story with you is because I think for many of us, the thing that really destroys our lives, the thing that causes struggle and strain and pain in our lives as Christians is the fact that we forget who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
redeemed, forgiven, and made new by Jesus Christ. Nothing can change that. John 10 says nothing can snatch you out of his hand, not even you. However, when we forget who we are, we forget who God is, we forget what that means for us, that, brothers and sisters, is what causes the pain and heartache in our life. So the point of this series, if you've been with us, um, as we've been walking through a series, we're finishing it up today, looking at several what we're calling pastoral prayers in the New Testament. These are prayers from the Apostle Paul. He prays over his church. And the idea behind it, the foundation that I've been telling you is the Apostle Paul is praying that his people would experience more, more of what it means to, to, to know God and love God and pursue God and bear out more fruit in God, to just live more of the Christian life that's been poured into them. And this has been our heart, our prayer our desire for us as well. So as we've been going through that, we're going to finish today with 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. All right, so let's read these two verses together, and then we'll spend a little time unpacking it, all right? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. To this end, we always pray for you, stop. If you've been with us for the last month and a half, you know I always stop after that line in every passage because I want to make this point. This is about prayer. We cannot, it is not possible to overstate the significance and power of prayer. Prayer can do what God can do and God can do anything. So pray, pray. These passages we've been looking at over the last several weeks, these aren't so much teachings or corrections. These are prayers that he's praying. He's wanting them to know, here's what I'm praying for you. Here's how I'm praying for you. This is pointing to the power and significance of prayer. Keep praying. Don't stop. Charles Spurgeon, one of my heroes, the Prince of Preachers, once said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. A person praying does powerful and amazing things in the lives of those around him. Pray. Don't stop praying. So what is he praying for? To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good in every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So each week we're looking at things we're praying for, right? So here's what we're praying today. Here's our big prayer. God, make us worthy of your calling. God, make me worthy. You see that in verse 11. That's the main thrust of what he's praying for, right? To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Listen, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, I want the enormity of what's happened to just weigh on you so that you see the glory of what you've been called to. Right? You've been called to something amazing. When you trust by faith in Jesus Christ, you were bought by the blood of Jesus. You were forgiven of all sins, redeemed from your former life, 
adopted into the family of God, filled with God himself living and dwelling inside of you, delivered and saved from the wrath of God in hell, placed in an inheritance of eternal life in heaven, you have been called to something amazing. And this prayer is asking that you would live up to that kind of calling. Man, do you see how great it is to be a Christian? This is awesome. How glorious and amazing it is to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. We get to have that as our calling. And what Paul is praying for here is that we would, would call up to that. We'd be called up to, to live worthy of that kind of calling. The point of this isn't so much to point out things in your life that aren't worthy. We'll get to that. Yeah, okay. But the point of all of this isn't to say, oh, that part of your life isn't worthy, and that part of your life isn't worthy, and that part of your life isn't worthy. The point is to highlight for you what the life of God is, how glorious and amazing God is, and to call you up, not call you out. Call you up to the life that God has for you in faith in Jesus. The life that is yours, full of peace and joy and fruit and power and hope that is yours in Christ to call you up to that. So you get to see what I want to do today by God's grace is to highlight for us how good God is and how amazing life is in him. And ask that we would be called up to live that. That's what we're after today. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we live that kind of life that's truly worthy of that kind of calling. Where we're going to look at verse 11. We're going to look at it from two different angles, okay? I want to look at it from, one, the perspective of what God is doing. And then secondly, the perspective of what God is calling us to do, all right? So sort of God's perspective and our perspective. So first let's look at God. How... Do we live a life worthy of the calling God has on us? First, we trust God to do his work. We trust God to do his part, making us worthy. Look at verse 11 again. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Who's making you worthy? God. That God may make you worthy. And that he may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. God is doing the work. God's making you worthy. God is allowing you to accomplish these good things by his power. God is doing this. Many of us struggle in our walk with Christ because we focus way too much on us and not enough about God. Which is crazy, right? right? Christianity, it's in the name. Christ. Right? That's why it's called Christianity, not Bradianity. Right? It's not about what I do. It is about Jesus and what he has done. And what causes many of us to struggle, what's caused me over the years in my times of struggle, is I'm focusing more on me and not enough on Jesus. The work that God is doing. What is God doing? And when we understand Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work in me is going to see it all the way to the end, he who began a good work in you, God began a good work in you. And he is promised by his name and by his authority, he will not stop until he's finished it. How good is that? Man, that's enough to make you want to get up in the morning. 
Right? God is doing this. God began the work. God's going to finish the work. I'm trusting God to do it. Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live. It's not about me or my strength. Jesus Christ lives in me. In the life I'm now living in the faith, I live I'm living in the flesh. I live by faith in him who loved me and gave his life for me. I trust Jesus to do his work in me. When you set your heart on what God is doing in you, what God has promised to do in you, what God has promised to fulfill in you, you trust God to do his work, man, that takes the pressure off, quite honestly, that allows you to feel light, that allows you to feel hope, that allows a smile to come across your face. Because if we, if the Bible says, when I'm faithless, God still remains faithful because he can't deny who he is. So he does the work, always and forever. He does the work. And this also changes the way we interact with other people that we're praying for. Because again, this is about Paul praying for other people. Here's what I want God to do in you. And so there are people in your life you're praying for. Okay, so you have someone in your life you have a burden for. All right? We're coming up on the holidays. You're going to be hanging out with, with family. All right? And again, everybody's got a crazy family member. And if you're sitting here going, we don't have anybody in our family like that. That means you're that person. All right? You're, you're crazy Uncle Lou. All right? We have people that we're burdened for. What do we do with that? Right, what do we do with that? The tendency and the temptation is to what? Speak first, pray later. Speak first. Well, they need to know. I need to tell them, right? You're, 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 you feel it kind of welling up in you. Like, I got to say something. I got to say something. I got to say something. And there's a time and a place to say. A part of the Great Commission is teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. But I want us to have first the foundation of, do we understand God is the one who does this work, not us? Listen, I don't know every person in this room personally, but I'm going to bet no one in this room, your middle name, is Holy Spirit. I know people these days are like into like really like uh, um, unique Bible names. Our, our, our children's ministry staff told me the other day we have like 10 or 11 babies that are going to be born in the next few months in our church. Uh, and so I'm super, ex- one, I know every guy in the room just looked at his wife and just said, don't drink the communion juice. I don't know what they got in that stuff. Don't drink it. But I don't think, like, we're going to come up here, you know, and dedicate a baby on Mother's Day. And be like, I'd like to introduce you to Holy Spirit Smith. It's not going to happen. God does the work. Let God do it. Trust him. Do you trust him with this person that you're praying for? Do you trust that God is going to accomplish his good work and pleasure in them? Trust him. However, also, I want us to see verse 11 from a different perspective. So number one is we want to see what God is doing. we got to put our hope, our faith, our trust there. God is doing the work. I'm trusting God to do the work. But then there's a second aspect to it. Look again at verse 11. We must seek godly desires and actions. We must seek to do the godly thing. We're trusting God to do the work, and we're by faith stepping out and doing the work that we're trusting God is empowering us to do. Look at verse 11 again. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling 
and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So if you have a King James or New King James, it'll say something on the lines of all good pleasure of his goodness. Same idea. The idea is that there are certain desires and things that we're doing that God wants us to do. And so we're doing the thing that God wants us to do, right? We're fulfilling the all good things that God desires in goodness. We're resolving for every good work. So look at those two words, resolve and work, right? The word resolve means to set your mind to something, right? You're thinking a thing. I'm, I'm, if you're resolved to do a thing, you have settled it in your heart that this is a thing I'm going to do. Work is the practical doing of the thing, right? I've set my heart and my mind that I'm going to do it, and then I'm using my hands and my feet to actually do the thing. Does that make sense? And this is what he's saying here. God is doing this work in you. And also, as you're trusting God to do this work in you, you have to go do the thing. You have to work. You have to desire and long and resolve and set your heart and mind to desire and do what God wants to do. And then you go do what God desires for you to do. You have to set feet in action to this. You do it. You do it. So you have these two things combining against each other, right? You have God doing this work, and you have you being called to step out by faith and go do the work. So how does that come together? What does that look like? Think about it like this. Think about it, the difference between a raft, a speedboat, and a sailboat. All right, let's think through this. First, a raft. Um, What do you do in a raft? You just lay there and float. You go wherever the wind and tide takes you. Right? You go down to the beach on vacation. You hop on the raft. You fall asleep, take a nap. You wake up, you're in Cuba. Right? You just float. You have no direction. You have no purpose. You're just floating. For some in this room right now, this second, listen to me. You're a spiritual raft. You're just floating. You mean well. You want to pursue the Lord. You're a Christian. You love Jesus. But the extent of your pursuit of God is you're just kind of floating, hoping it magically takes place. Right? Sort of let go and let God. God will do it. I've even heard people say things like, you know, whenever they say or do something sinful, inappropriate, they'll say something like, well, you know, hey, if God didn't want me to do that, he, he should have just stopped me. I mean, I can't help it if God didn't stop me. Like, fairly certain that's not in the Bible. Yes, but no. We aren't spiritual rafts floating on spiritual waves, hoping to magically, miraculously end up at a location. And if that is a little more how it describes you, I want you to just think about that for a moment. How's that worked for you? How's that work? Are you where you would want to be? Are you truly growing in a genuine pursuit and love of God, bearing out fruit in his name? Are you doing that? 
My guess would be probably not, or not to the level and extent that you would desire, or more importantly, God would desire. We're not rafts. But then some of us are the opposite. We're spiritual speedboats. What's a speedboat? A speedboat, man, you've got drive, you've got direction, you've got purpose, you go really fast, and you run out of gas. And then you become a raft. And for some of us, man, we're spiritual speedboats. We're just... We're trying hard to do all we can to get all we can. You're in 14 different Bible studies, and, and you listen to 72 different podcasts. You're boom, 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 boom. But nothing's actually taking root in your heart, and you're actually being changed. You, listen to me. You don't actually obey the things that you're learning. James 1, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. For a lot of us, we're spiritual speedboats. We're zooming here and we're zooming there, trying to heap up as much as we can, but we're not actually putting it into our hearts and growing. Another way to think about a spiritual speedboat would be um, spiritual bulimia. So think about for someone that struggles with bulimia. What is this, right? You're, you're, You're eating, you're eating, you're eating, you're eating, you're eating, but then you intentionally regurgitate that before it can take any hold in your body and actually provide any nutrients. And so technically you're eating a lot, but you're growing more and more and more and more and more physically weak. Spiritually, this is the same thing that happens. Listen to me very carefully. So many people, you're seeking so diligently to get fed, 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 get fed. And then you walk out on the parking lot and you puke it up, and you never obey. You come in here, and you get fed, and you go out there, and you lose it on your kids. It doesn't actually take root. It's a spiritual speedboat. Going fast, going hard, trying to prove something but you don't actually stop and let this stuff take root and change you, and you obey it. Obey the thing. You don't have to join another Bible study. Just forgive. You don't have to join a Bible study on forgiveness. Forgive. You just don't have to. And I know that's totally triggering. That's okay. I'd love to talk with you about that. You don't have to do that. You just need to obey. Obey. Uh, But then there's a third analogy I want you to think through. Not a raft, not a speedboat, but a sailboat. Think about a sailboat. What's a sailboat? So at first, a sailboat is as good as a raft. You're just floating. But then what do you do with a sailboat? You, right, you, you hoist that sail and you open it up and you catch the wind and boom, you're off like a rocket. So with a sailboat, spiritually speaking, is this. You're asking God to blow fresh wind. You're putting yourself in a situation with the sails. Like you're, you're creating a process where you're going to catch whatever the wind can get and use that to propel you forward. In the same way spiritually, you're putting yourself in a situation to catch all that God could pour your way 
You're spending time in the Word, time around godly people, time in Bible studies, time with accountability partners, all those things, yes, but you're doing that for the purpose of catching it so that you can internalize it and obey it and be off like a rocket. How do we combine these two things? Seeing that God is the one that has to do the work, but we are called to step out with desire and resolve for good and pursue every work of faith by the power of God. How do we combine those two things? We see ourselves like spiritual sailboats, pushing forward, taking everything that God can give us and trusting Him by faith as we obey. And then see what happens as a result of that. Verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God is glorified. Jesus is made much of because we have allowed ourselves to be truly changed by him, allow him to do his good work in us, and we have worked out that salvation with fear and trembling so that we're walking out in obedience now and we're actually seeking to do the thing. Not just know the verses, not just know the truth, not just, but actually seeking to obey and do it, to desire the good thing and pursue the good thing and step out in works of faith by God's power. This is what we're called to do. This is our prayer. This is our prayer. And so this week, as I've been praying this over myself, this looks kind of like this. As I pray for myself with this scripture, as I've been studying this, here's been my prayer. God, make me worthy of your calling. Empower me as I strive to desire and do only what you say is good. Glorify yourself in me, Jesus. Amen. You see those two things? there, asking God to do what only he can do. God, make me worthy. I can't make myself worthy. I can't work this up. I can't do this in myself. I need you. Make me worthy. And as you're doing that, empower me, God. Empower me as I'm actively striving and taking steps to desire and do only the things you say are good. And if there's anything I desire or anything I'm doing that does not line up with what you say is good, I want to repent of that, turn from it, and only pursue good. Right? I'm trusting God. I'm asking God to do His work. And I'm by faith committing that I'm going to step out and obey. And you pray this for others as well as I've been praying for many of you this week. This has been my prayer. God, make so-and-so worthy of your calling. Empower them as they strive to desire and do only what you say is good. Glorify yourself in them, Jesus. Amen. See, this is what I'm saying when I say that these passages that we've been going over the last few weeks, they can be fuel for our prayers. Fueling us up in how to pray praying that God would do his great and glorious work, only what he can accomplish, and that we by faith would not just merely hear hear the word and trick ourselves into thinking that's good enough, but we'll actually by faith step out and do what it says. And in so doing, we will remember who God is, remember who we are in Christ, and we will walk worthy of that calling.
That's our prayer. It's our desire. So, as we end our time here today, we're going to sing. And we're going to sing focusing our hearts on, again, who God is. And professing the fact that we trust for this. We believe Him for who He is. We desire to see Him do His great work in us. So, before we do that, I want to ask you to spend just some time in prayer. Just bow your heads for me. And I want to give you a chance to pray. Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Would you describe yourself as a raft, a speedboat, or a sailboat? How are you just kind of floating right now? Just kind of floating. Maybe that's not who you used to be. Maybe you were totally different. Maybe you started out as a speedboat and now you're out of gas. But as you look at yourself today, you realize you're just kind of floating along. Confess that to the Lord. Confess to Him today that it's not your desire. That you want to pursue Him. That you want Him to make you worthy of His calling. And that he would empower you as you take steps right now today to desire and do actively what he says is right and good. Or maybe you would consider yourself a speedboat. Spiritually, you're running here and there, but you are not actually stopping to meditate on this truth, to let this truth settle in your heart. And for you to actually obey it. Confess that. Let him know that. You desire truth. You desire to grow in knowledge of him. That's a right and good thing. But confess the fact that you're maybe not actively seeking to obey the things that you're learning. Ask God to make you worthy of his calling. Ask God to empower you as you start now striving to desire and do what he says is good and right. Are you a person struggling from spiritual amnesia? Just forgotten God and forgotten who you are. Today, set your mind on him. Set your heart on him. Remember again how good God is. Ask him to make you worthy of his calling and to empower you as you strive to desire and do only what he says is right and good. Take just a moment, you and the Lord. just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak so clearly to us. I thank you that it is your will and desire that we would live worthy of your calling. I thank you that it is your will and desire 
that we would desire and long and be resolved in our hearts and minds to pursue only what is good. It is your desire and your will that we would pursue every work of faith by your power. I ask you, God, that today we would grow in this and see this and pursue this and trust you to accomplish your good work in us. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand, guys. Again, as we sing and worship together, professing what we believe to be true about God, and as a result of that, what that means for us as His kids. Let's worship together.
Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for your life. We thank you for your death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. We thank you, Jesus, that you make us sons and daughters of God. That we are put together in a church with other sons and daughters of God, a family that we get to know each other and love each other and serve each other. We thank you, Jesus. There's so much to thank you for. I pray that you would help us to be a thankful people as we, by faith, step out and seek to be thankful people. Do this in us, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Finding myself at a loss for words And the funny thing is, it's okay The last thing I need is to be heard But to hear what you would say Word of God speak you pour down like rain washing